Welcome back, Wildcats, to Wildcat Radio, the most interesting podcast in the world, covering Arizona football news, Arizona basketball news, and Arizona recruiting news. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Wildcat Radio AZ. Visit our website because it's Beta Rank Week. We're very excited about that. We have all of Rob's advanced statistics up on the website, preseason prognostications into um, how these Pac-12 teams are going to do, and of course, we will use those as we go into football season, which for by all, you know, means and measures starts right now. <laughs> and, uh, you can also uh, check out a lot of good stories we have up there right now. I like what's going on with the site. We're going to continue to grow the sites, so check it out there. And of course you can follow the podcast on iTunes, Apple podcasts, tune in radio, any podcast catcher. We are there. I'm joined by the uh, wizard behind the beta rank college events. This is a good model. Mr. Rob Bauer. What's going on, Rob? Oh, it is! It is my one of my favorite weeks of the year. It is, it is Beta Rank Week. We have we've released the projections, and uh, if you haven't checked them out, uh, they're available on the site. And uh, I am more than happy if you have any questions, hit me up. Staples is giving out free advanced calculators. It's real fun. It's it's great. It's a really <laughs> good week. Um, so I, I'm excited, Rob, about this podcast because we get to talk about some encouraging news first for Arizona, which unfortunately is bad news for everybody else in the NCAA but sucks on sucks on them. We've been bearing this burden for a long time, and it's nice to share it a little bit. Um, but before we do, I have one big announcement to make. So we have just joined the Overtime Podcast Network, which I'm really excited about. And uh, basically, what does that mean? It means it means a lot of wonderful things. The first is that this podcast is really going to be what it's been in the past, and we're going to continue to implement new improvements on our back end. But uh, basically, what it means for you is that we're going to get a couple sponsors, and we're still going to bring on a lot of guests from other podcasts like the Dog Pod and Utah Man Podcast and the Quack 12 Podcast, just a lot of people that we work with. Um, and we're going to get a few more partners that we'll be able to add on and just have good conversations with. So really excited about that. Thanks for having us on. That also means that we might be able to give away some sleazier prizes, Rob, which would be great. Um, get a little cash <laughs> infusion here. <laughs> so I'm trying to think any, anything else we should cover before we get into this new NCAA news, Rob. No, I think let's dive right in. Okay. All right. First, I'm going to clear the air a little bit because we've been connecting with some media members on Twitter in regards to the NCAA investigation. And I just want to be very clear about what our stance is. And I, I was actually thankful that the Zona Zealots had um, like changed a, uh, basically a part of their story about what we had been talking about on this podcast. We are Arizona fans. We do not want uh, the Arizona basketball program to get in trouble. We don't want uh, the Arizona program to have to go through tough times. But I do think it's a disservice to our listeners, Rob, to not start talking about the the surrounding allegations and what they could mean. And there, there's only a couple people that have been been giving us feedback on the negative sense. And that's fine. Like, it's nice to know where our listeners are on this. But I think the biggest criticism among like the four or five people that have been tweeting at us is that you guys shouldn't be prognosticating about what's going on. You shouldn't be trying to predict what, what goes on. I... I understand if this was something that was more vague than it is, uh, but we can read transcripts and we can read NCAA rules, and there clearly is NCAA violations. Like the book Richardson itself, uh, the, that whole thing is a major walking NCAA violation, even if he did it on his own, right? Yeah, you can't. Um, you are not allowed to be an agent and a coach. 
And if you take money from an agent, you are essentially working as an agent. Um, the NCAA is not going to have to make to stretch too hard to to turn that into an NCAA violation. Yeah, so we're we're not trying we're not making things out of, out of thin air. And I think um, we, we've already gone over. And if you want to hear some of the details about the NCAA violation in terms of where um, where the red flags are for Arizona, go ahead and, and look back at our other podcasts that we've covered this at length. I think we did an hour long podcast on it, in addition to a piece on WildcatRadioAZ.com and some other stuff. So we we won't get into the negative stuff today because I. I do think that some of the breaking stuff that happened today is good news for Arizona fans, but just want to be very clear. Like we don't want this stuff to happen, but to ignore it is, I think it's crazy town because it's probably the biggest story that has been facing the Arizona program uh, in terms of violations and ramifications for that since I've been an Arizona fan. So it's really, really a big story and a big deal. And you don't have to read the tea leaves too much to kind of see that some of this stuff um, is coming down the road. It just the the biggest thing, and this is why I'm excited to talk about the story today, Rob, is I think the biggest card that Arizona has to play. And it's the reason I thought that we should stick with Sean Miller when this first happened um, is that there is plenty of other evidence out there, likely of other schools doing something similar. And the big news here comes from a Yahoo sports story. And here's, here's basically what it is. And then we'll really dive into it. Um, so James Gatto, Merle Cote and Christian Dawkins uh, were found guilty of uh, basically De- defrauding universities, including Kansas, uh, and, and providing money to steer players towards certain programs. And there's only been one trial so far that's happened, and, and that was this one. And Gatto, Code, and Dawkins are going to be sentenced on March 5th. The new portion of the story, and it includes some old stuff, but some new stuff now too, which I think is really explosive, is that uh, the lawyers for these guys have basically submitted documents to the judge to have linear, uh, more lenient sentencing, sentencing for uh, quote unquote defrauding universities, and we'll we'll get into the defrauding stuff because I think it's ridiculous, but um, but that's why this is so important. Um, and what the defense submitted uh, were documents and evidence in the trial that is basically pointing to other schools uh, and and Nike and saying, look, these guys are outstanding individuals and, you know, they, they've posed no threat to the public at large, blah, blah, blah. The more important thing is, hey, look, y'all, look what everybody else is doing over here. And there's like yeah. mountains and mountains of pages that are being submitted that you can take a look at um, in terms of why they're telling the judge, like, yes, I know that they did this, but look at what everybody else is doing. And I don't know, Rob, if that's going to help them with their um, actual sentencing, but it sure is darn interesting because I think it's going to show and it's showing that they're willing to air some dirty laundry out there. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think that there's any reticence on the part of Code or um, Dawkins or Gatto at this point. And I I think that there was some thought that they might not come out and just torch people um, that's out the window now. I mean, they, they went out and, and code really has ample evidence. He used to work at Nike grassroots basketball for a long time. So if code so chooses to, to demonstrate in any of these trials that Nike was also paying folks, like he will undoubtedly have the, the, the ammunition to do it. Well, let, let's go first into why these people were accused of defrauding universities. So, so we should back up. So uh, James Gatto and Merle Code were working on behalf of Adidas, and they were basically giving families of players money to steer them to universities. 
The fact that they were accused of defrauding a university by daring to pay players to play for a university um, and enhance those basketball programs is crazy town. But that's what, what, what happened. And what the defense has basically has been saying is like, nobody's being defrauded here, man. Let's use Kansas as an example because they're super hose and we'll get into Kansas. But, you know, Bill Self wanted good players to play at Kansas. And uh, basically the defense was saying, like, I provided those players uh, to play at Kansas and everybody got what they wanted. The players got money. They wanted money. The family wanted money. They got money. Um, the university wanted the players. They got the players. And Adidas now has a player that is uh, kind of under their umbrella school. So ev- everybody got everything they wanted right now. And technically that's true. But legally, that's uh, <laughs> not the best argument probably to make, seeing how it didn't work out well. Um, so, so the first thing is they resubmitted text messages. And I think this is a fascinating back and forth between T.J. Gasnola, who was kind of seen as an Adidas fixer um, and bagman. And the University of Kansas, this is actually a text message exchange between Bill Self and, and Gasnola. And basically what they're, they're saying is, uh, without using the exact words, Bill Self is basically like, hey, man, uh, thanks for getting us those players. He's like, hey, man. And Gasnola's like, don't worry about it. The only time I failed you was, uh, <laughs> was DeAndre Ayton, LOL. And they both laugh. <laughs> yeah. and, and then basically they both go back and forth talking about, look, this is the way that uh, – that, uh, Kentucky does it. This is the way that North Carolina does it. And I think they list another school in the Nike schools and Duke. Oh yeah. Duke. I mean, (laughs) not just anyone Duke. Um, so they use that as evidence to kind of show, look like we all, we're, we're all in on this joke, right? We all, we all get what's going on. They also, um, send in a recorded transcript where um, Merle Code specifically mentions Duke, UNC, Syracuse, and Kentucky as schools that they have to, as Adidas schools, basically um, compete with in terms of getting players to go to an Adidas school versus a Nike school, basically insinuating that, look, Nike schools do this too, and you guys should look into this because we were just part of the system. We weren't like the four outliers here. We, we yeah. were uh, competing with a bunch of other folks. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think it's interesting because I, I think that these guys are there in an effort to make this this case and make this argument. Um, you know, they're they're going to present this. This information's for here. But if they are given any any kind of more of a broad purview in the in the appeal too, like they're going to present a lot more information. Yeah, I think the big. What does this have to do with Arizona sports? Here, here's what it has to do with Arizona sports. Um, we are acting from the standpoint of, yes, Arizona did a number of things wrong and are um, likely going to get some sort of sanction from the NCAA. How strict it is, we don't know. Whether the NCAA decides to do it, we don't know. But if you're looking at the facts of what's going on right now, what's happened so far, that is, it's more likely that that scenario happens rather than Arizona gets off scot-free. The biggest card that Arizona has in its back pocket is that everybody else was doing this, or at least most of the yeah. major high-level blue blood programs were doing this. And what Arizona needs to happen is for this kind of stuff to get out significantly more than it was allowed to in this first trial. Cause like you mentioned, Rob, the judge in the first trial basically said, all I care about is whether or not you did the things that you did. I don't care about any of the context and whether or not anybody else was doing it. And you're actually not allowed to bring in a lot of 
um, assets and evidence. And you're not allowed to use stuff in this trial that deal with everybody else. I just want to know, did you by the law defraud these universities? And they did by the law <laughs> defraud those universities. So now that this is coming out more, this is kind of, uh, this is good news for Arizona fans because I think we're going to see a lot more names and a lot more schools as this trial progresses come out. And for a little while, that didn't quite seem the case because the judge kept things so tight knit, right? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that there was some concern, and, and I had this concern coming out of this first trial, that um, there was going to be enough about Arizona and maybe Kansas and you know maybe Louisville for, for the NCAA to really make an example of just a few schools. Um, and so, if you're Arizona, you can you can hide. I mean, there's safety in numbers in this. You know, the NCAA can't. And for Sean Miller too, particularly, the NCAA can't drop the hammer on you know the top forty college basketball programs out there, um, you know, and also you know give all of those coaches show cause penalties. I mean, it's unlikely that they get off with nothing, but you you know they're not you're not going to get the death penalty or anything like that, like you had at SMU um, for paying players. So I think the I think this is this is all good news. I think that there's. The second trial, as as uh, we can get into, also is, is going to be very different than the first trial. So um, there's potential. I mean, some of that's not, may not be good for Arizona, but I, I think that the breadth of evidence that is going to potentially come out and Yahoo News, Yahoo Sports also reported that that evidence from the first trial, the FBI has handed that over to the NCAA. Things that were not presented in the first trial. Yeah, so. yeah, that was a big like, and it's funny because it was just like a one line thing, but that was, and, and we almost skipped over it. <laughs> so yeah, that's a really big deal. That is, that's a really really big deal because there are there are mountains of evidence that the FBI collected, both from uh, wiretaps, uh, so you have recorded phone calls from seizing hard drives. Um, the FBI raided, you know, Kansas's basketball office. I believe they also raided Maryland, which is an Under Armour school. Um, the FBI has a ton, ton of evidence sitting around, and the question, you know, kind of was, is how much is going to come out of trial that the NCAA is going to be able to use? Um, or after, or how much are they going to get their hands on that isn't used in trial? And the fact that some of it, and we don't know what part of it or all of it has been handed over to the NCAA is, is, is very interesting. I think there's a couple other things. The first would be, you got to keep in mind, yes, all this stuff is hovering around, but the NCA can basically do whatever it wants. Like it's not legally obligated to go after all of the programs. It can, yeah, it can selectively choose a couple of programs. The thing that makes me nervous as an Arizona fan is not only was Arizona mentioned as we have talked about before and all this other stuff like basically any player that was brought up in Arizona was kind of like float around as like one of one of the schools that was pursuing these players that were asking for money again this is second and or third hand uh, accounts but they were still made under oath and submitted as evidence so you can't like discount them I think the second thing is there's only five schools where the assistant coaches were doing were were uh, specifically caught acting and taking money from agents and, and Arizona is one of them. So I think there's a couple areas where we're a bit of an outlier, but as again, as more things come out, that makes that outlier, uh, <laughs> argument less important. So uh, I'm just hoping that more of that stuff comes out. I want to switch over to Kansas here real fast, Rob. Because they are screwed. You want to talk about Arizona being screwed? <laughs> like, <again, being laughs> no, Kansas is dead in the water. <laughs> um, I mean, I had communicated with Jason Shear on Twitter a little bit, and uh, and I like Jason. Again, we've talked about it. I like the coverage. If you're a fan of recruiting, like 
Wildcat Authority is an excellent um, website to join and pay for, and you do get a lot of stuff on that front. So I don't want to, like, I'm not discounting that. I'm not even discounting the argument right now. What I do, I do think it's important to uh, talk about is to differentiate why Kansas is sticking by Bill Self and why Arizona is sticking by Sean Miller. Because basically, Shear had tweeted out something like, basically comparing um, how strong Kansas's administrative uh, people were sticking with self compared to Arizona, um, you know, kind of wavering, particularly with the uh, likely firing of an assistant coach. Um, I think there's a couple of reasons why Kansas isn't up in arms right now, and there's a reason probably why they should be. Um, the first being, though, that they are they are likely screwed. So. Arizona, there's a lot of second and third hand uh, accounts of uh, paying players outside of, of course, of Book Richardson. Um, in Kansas's instance, they're like straight up, yeah, they did this. <laughs> and the two, and the two <laughs> people are uh, Billy Preston. It is a fact that Kansas paid ninety thousand dollars to Billy Preston's camp uh, for to steer him to uh, to Kansas. So if it wasn't Kansas, it was um, you know Adidas people acting on behalf, yeah. quote unquote. Of and and that's part of the argument too is um, how much did Bill Self know? And I think some of that stuff's going to come out as we move forward. The second player that received money to attend Kansas, which is a better way of saying it, um, was uh, Sylvia D'Souza, who yep. was paid at least uh, $2,500, basically, to um, to try to steer him to attend Kansas. Seems low, which seems low, but it's on the record. Hey, if, it's if against they, the rules. It's against the rules. <laughs> they got him for that, man. They got a bargain. That guy's pretty <laughs> yeah, good. That's true. <laughs> um, here's where I disagreed a little bit with Shear in regards to why Kansas is sticking by uh, self. Uh, first of all, they're sticking by self, with, which is an, it's on its own uh, important to mention, even because they are screwed. But I think the reason that Kansas is so up in arms at this moment in time is because um, they voluntarily suspended Silvio D'Souza this year. Um, after the, the accounts came out that basically, yeah, he's, he's in real trouble. Uh, he did receive money to go to Kansas. So they sat him out. Um, and they also basically were applying for a reinstatement. They were petitioning the NCAA to allow him to play for Kansas. And what the NCAA did was basically say, um, sure, you can petition to have him play again this year. But you have to make sure that you um, mark uh, TJ Gasnola, who is, again, Adidas's bag man. You have to say that he was a Kansas booster. If you do that, then uh, we'll consider your petition. So Kansas did. Kansas said, sure, okay, fine. Um, in order to get D'Souza to play, we'll say that TJ Gasnola was a booster at Kansas because uh, he was pretty close with Bill Self, which is a reason why they're in trouble. Well, the NCAA turns around and deny, <laughs> denies Kansas's petition to have Sylvia D'Souza play this year. And now Kansas has somebody that straight up, as a fact, paid players to go to Kansas uh, marked as a uh, as one of their boosters. I would be yeah. really mad if I were Kansas, too. That's the reason they're really fired up right now. I mean, when you see that smoke coming out of Kansas, that's the reason. And, and even if I were an athletic director at Kansas, knowing what happened with Bill Self, that would make me mad. And I would publicly come out in defense of that. And I think that's that's the noise coming out of Kansas. Does that make sense, Rob? Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. I mean, I think Kansas is, is hopping mad that they have ended up basically having to admit that. I mean, in Casanola, I mean, lots of schools are going to have to admit that Casanola was a booster. Um, but when you're classified as a booster in the NCAA rules, like certain rules then apply. So 
they, they have a right to be mad. I also think they're sticking by Bill Self a bit because they have they have more to lose in a way of I mean Kansas doesn't want to take down Final Four banners. They don't want to take down national championship banners. Um, you know, they don't want Bill Self going down <laughs> at all, really. Um, so they they they're a little more wedded into it, I think. And um, the fact that they didn't fire Bill Self. You know, early on, I think that they've sort of they're sort of in for a penny, in for a pound, because after the Kansas basketball offices got raided, like you had to know the FBI was all over them. And if they didn't make a move, then that you, you kind of feel like they're going to go down with the ship. Yeah. And I think comparing um, Arizona to Kansas, I mean, we we could both be making really bad decisions. <laughs> I think I think not being proactive and getting rid of self right away uh, is going to ultimately be a really bad decision for the Kansas basketball program. Um, yeah, I could be wrong. Maybe they, they're able to get off, but I mean, those text messages uh, are bad. And then you have like the straight up facts that Kansas players were being paid money to direct them to yeah. Kansas. And like they were the flagship, basically the text message exchange between um, Gasnola and Bill self were Hey man, you guys are the flagship. We're going to get you the programs. It was like, hell yeah, you got it, man. <laughs> that was kind of basically yeah. the, the tenor of that conversation. Um, plus all the other stuff that the NCAA probably has on them. So, um, uh, I guess I guess one can uh, complain that Arizona isn't backing uh, Miller like Kansas is backing Self, but I would uh, I, I would just um, urge a little bit of caution in regards to what's going on in Kansas. Uh, with that said, I do think, like I mentioned, the Frustration with the NCAA and the public frustration with the NCAA, which I think Jason was was referencing, is for something outside of what's going on right now. That was a different uh, aspect. Yeah. And I think Arizona rightly would have been frustrated with that. And I think you would have seen Dave Hickey come out and say something um, uh, in, in that regards if that were to happen. The other thing I'd mention, too, is this is more like I don't want to get into speculative uh, a speculative area, but. Not but, because uh, it's not a but. Um, when you look at some of the transcripts and some of the stuff uh, in regards to Book Richardson, he had um, referenced Arizona paying, uh, basically him paying Arizona players um, and paying somebody on the roster. Now, if you look at the timeline, it could have been a player that was on the roster at the time that was no longer on the roster. Arizona didn't sit anybody after True. after the allegations came out at all. And I think that in itself was Dave Hickey and the Arizona basketball program um, backing Sean Miller. What I'm saying is that a very careful program that wouldn't back its coach would have sat DeAndre Ayton or sat if there was another player that, you know, possibly could have been brought up like those players sit. I would just argue that this administration has backed Miller for the most part and backed away a little bit in this last uh, month and a half, particularly with the firing of Phelps or the possible firing of Phelps. So I get, I get it, but I just, you can't discount the fact that like this administration went to bat for Sean Miller uh, at the moment where he needed it the most, right? When that ESPN story came out, they said, no, screw that. This story is wrong. We're sticking by our guy. Here's the press conference. I support him. So I mean, that happened. You can't say that that didn't happen. And, and the fact that they're backing away now actually makes me a little bit more nervous <laughs> because they know more than I do. So I'm just uh, just keeping an eye on that. Yeah, I think that I mean, the I don't think Sean Miller has and even Arizona and, and Miller fans that are also Arizona fans don't have a lot of room to complain. I think that the university has not stood by Sean Miller because they absolutely have. Um, and there while there hasn't been any fire yet. 
around Sean Miller, you could say there's there's an immense amount of smoke um, and a university that I think, um, you know, really was was I think was not sold on Miller, or, um, you know, would have taken this, you know, this this bad season and, and, and that Phelps news and said, all right, it's time to move on. Um, and I, the fact that Arizona hasn't, I think, uh, I, I think speaks volumes of, of how invested they are. Now, that's not to say that 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 could not change, <laughs> you know, because um, I, I do think that even if you stack things up now, you know, Arizona could potentially get hit with a, a, a lot, a lack of institutional control if you combine the books, the book with the Phelps. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I, I think Sean Miller has has every reason to feel pretty good about what his employer has done for him. There was a press conference that he gave a few weeks ago. I think this is right after they fi- they started the process of firing Phelps. It's, it's so hard to say starting the process of because he hasn't been fired, but they've started the process of of possibly mm-hmm. firing Phelps. Yeah, uh, he's and- a contract employee. Like it, it has to go through <laughs> <laughs> uh, all all the hoops. Um, yeah. There was that press conference that Miller gave where they were asking him, like, what do you think about the support that you've received from the athletics department? And he kind of gave that deadpan, sarcastic look, and he said, I'm very happy with it. And I just I rolled my eyes at that because I'm just like, you got to look, man, like you're seeing what I'm seeing. (laughs) And they, they really have backed Miller pretty hardcore over the last couple of years. And uh, you know, I don't know the details of exactly what Phelps is accused of doing with Shreve O'Neal. I know what he's accused of. I don't know if he actually did it, but if he did, or it even like got fairly close, like you, you would just have. I think you have to start. You have to start being really, really careful, and that's what the administra- uh, administration did. So, um, we'll we'll keep a look on that story, and I'm just curious to see if he actually does get fired, and um, and if there's any news that comes out in regards to that. I'm surprised that there wasn't more details on that. Are you? Are you? I'm a little surprised that more hasn't leaked. It it makes me think though that um, the university made its decision. You know, enough was sort of leaked out as to why. You know, and, and that may have been, um, you know, what Phelps himself was told when um, he was he was put on administrative leave, and you know the the, the initiation to fire him happened. Um, but I, you get the sense actually, because there's a there's a, we all are focused on the FBI investigation and the, um, you know the the N, the NCAA investigation, which it's reported has has kicked off for Arizona. Um, but there's also a law firm that the university itself is engaged to do an internal investigation. And you kind of wonder um, if that's where the information came to the university with. And, um, you know, I think a lot of people would say, like, oh, you wait to see if the NCAA finds it. Depending on how easy it was for the outside counsel to find it, um, you may just assume the NCAA is going to find it. So you might as well get ahead of it. Mm. Um, but I, I am I am a little surprised more hasn't really leaked out on it. Um, I, I think you're right there. I think that there's, um, I, but I, I, I think it will come out. <laughs> like I don't, I don't think it will be able to, to stay hidden for long. What was really done. Right. Well, let, let's move on to some other stuff. I just, it's kind of, I know we ended on like a lower note, but it is good news. The fact that these, uh, the three guys that were found guilty are basically willing to start saying, well, let's talk about some other schools, y'all. <laughs> and, and that's, yeah. uh, not only does that make it for good podcasts and good radio, but uh, again, it puts Arizona in a pool of a number of other major programs. And, uh, that hasn't happened yet, but it 
is looking like well, that could happen. Right after the the, the 15th, is the, there's a story from the 15th from Yahoo Sports. There's one on the 19th that really gets into what could be coming in the April trial. And I had forgotten that Merle Code was actually later charged. He wasn't in the original filing and complaint, but he was later charged. And, and he's going to trial with Dawkins, too, again. And this trial is very different. Um, and so if you're Arizona, yes, maybe more bad stuff comes out about you. But it's, it's looking like a lot of bad stuff could come out about everyone, which in some sense is good for Arizona in this trial. Yeah, they're talking about. Uh, and it depends on what the judge allows. That's what it sounds like. Um, but they're talking about the possibility of coaches being subpoenaed. <laughs> oh, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> do, you, yeah. Do, you, do you know where these uh, where the trial is? It's in New York again. Oh. Um, and I, the, the big difference here is that there's actually some dispute about what happened. And so because there's dispute about what happened, both the prosecution and the defense are going to have a lot more leeway about what they can present at trial. So um, the defense attorney's plan to go the full gamut, it sounds like, of presenting the sort of underbelly of college basketball. Um, and because there's some dispute about the facts, the judge will not, it does not look like, will impose the kind of discipline that was imposed on the first trial, including subpoenaing coaches, um, which will be really interesting because I, I, I think if, if you're the NCAA and I mean, the question I keep coming back to in my mind is what if a coach pleads the fifth? I mean, what, what does what the NCAA do with that? <laughs> I mean, what if, what if they're asked a direct question? I mean, like, did you have a, you know, for something that's not on tape, um, you know, they're asked a question, did you know this? I mean, and of course it, it's, it's a crime to perjure yourself. I mean, that's, that's, that's a big thing. Um, so if a, a coach on the advice of their attorney takes the fifth amendment, um, does the NCAA treat that as an admission of guilt? I mean, that, that to me is the most fascinating question of this. I mean, beyond like who could potentially get in trouble, which I think could be, I mean, Gasanola, Casanova was no fool. Like he, he knew he knows that Kentucky and UNC and, and Duke are paying for players. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm kind of like this second trial is going to be all the fireworks that we thought might be in the first trial from the, the sound of it. Oh, I'm so excited about it. It's going to be so fun. Um, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully fun because everybody's in it, not fun for. Well, it will also <laughs> it will also make for. I mean, April is a little bit of a dead period ish. You know, like I like college baseball. Um, and then there's, you know, like we'll, we will be in full swing for getting ready for co- the college football season. That's weird to say, like, uh, for everyone, but yes, that's what, that's about when we really get going. Um, and, uh, but it'll, it'll be lots and lots to talk about every day. I am sure. Let's move on to a, another story here. And that is Dick Vitell. I, um, <laughs> I took my shirt off. And I put my swim trunks on and I dove straight into the mud <laughs> to follow this guy on Twitter. And, and I should say, mention that I approach this from somebody that thinks that Dick Vitale is likely a very sweet man. If he was at my family's, uh, you know, dinner, he would be like a wonderful person and he would treat all all the kids fun and, you know, have snacks for everybody. It just like I, I do not doubt that he is a wonderful person, but he tweets like a drunk. And the way that he talks about college football is really becoming 
belligerent. And the biggest perpetrator of this is his love and backing of Rick Pitino. And Rob, there was a tweet that uh, he sent out. It was a story about Rick Pitino's like Bosnian team or whatever, wherever the hell he is. Uh, I think like, he's coaching in Italy. Yeah. In Italy, whatever. <laughs> One of the, uh, maybe he's in the Mediterranean area. That's fine. Um, but basically he's coaching some random uh, team in Europe and the team that they were they were playing against basically forfeited the game in protest for uh, a bad ref like refing. And there was an article about them winning and he tweets out. They like still a winner, baby. This guy's still winning. Everybody deserves a second chance. And it's crazy town that ESPN would hire somebody that clearly is so out of touch with what's actually going on uh, in college basketball to talk about college basketball. He's the face of ESPN college basketball. And this guy is just so out of touch with what's going on right now. It drives me nuts. Um, Rob, what, what do you, th- what do you think about Dick Vitale? And, uh, cause his contract got extended until 2020. So we're going to have two more years of this guy, basically. I mean, I've been tired of Dick Vitale for years. <laughs> I mean, I think the last time I thought Dick Vitale was like interesting, I must've been like 15, which is going back a bit. I, I, I he's, he's, he is, he is a staple of ESPN college basketball. Um, he has, I mean, I don't think it's a surprise to anyone that he has sort of his favorites among coaches, um, and programs, but he, I mean, I followed sort of along, um, it's gone very negative between Dick Vitale and Arizona fans to the point where he's sort of actively trolling Arizona fans. He's not, He's diving that into I his mentions. Like, yeah. I mean, if you follow, like, you'll see him tweet out something, and then immediately, like, eighteen Arizona fans like respond within thirty seconds, and he's going back and forth with them, and and he's tweeting in all caps and and at adding just random players and stuff. I think Brandon Williams got into a spat with him a few days ago. Like, it was it was crazy. Or not Brandon Williams. Who was it that uh is one is uh Brandon Ashley got into a spat yeah. with him on Twitter a few, and he responded like it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, and, but if there's any new Arizona story that comes out, I mean, he he's tagging Arizona fans and, you know, like, I just, it's it's embarrassing. I mean, it's embarrassing, I mean, for what I think for him in a lot of ways and for a long time, he was sort of the, he was sort of the face of ESPN's college basketball. And, and for this to be sort of where he's at now, where he's, you know, lobbying you know, every other day for Rick Pitino to get a job and, you know, actively trolling and fighting with Arizona fans on Twitter. I mean, it's just, it's kind of like, it's kind of sad. Like you just wish somebody around Dick Vitale would kind of pull the plug on it, you know, like, come on, (laughs) like take a break. Time to get off Twitter. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think Twitter is the biggest problem because it's not, I mean, he's, I don't watch a ton of ESPN anymore. I would assume that they don't have him on like a ton. Um, but he, you're right. He was the grandfather figure of college basketball. And I thought he was obnoxious and I thought he had tunnel vision and I couldn't stand when he was announcing, but I still had a tremendous amount of respect for him. Like he's clearly somebody that loves the sport and loves the game of basketball. And you could tell he cares about the players. Like he, he, to his defense, like he almost always goes to bat for players like period. And he, he has a vision of college basketball that it does not reflect current reality in the sense of the money 
money that's come in and where it's at. But if you don't, like you shouldn't be talking about it and you should at least take the time to figure out, okay, this big scandal happened. Like, what does it mean? You know, Rick Pitino gets fired from Louisville. Why did he get fired? Why did they make that decision right away? And it just seems like he's done none of that, which is a bummer because I really, I'm with you. I think if he, if he wasn't tweeting and he wasn't going back and forth, that legacy of him is still like, you know, it's this, it's this guy that you can't really stand to, to listen to a ton, but oh yeah, I get it. You know, they, they keep him around because, um, you know, he was, he cared about college basketball before I was born. <laughs> you know, like yeah. that, that there's something to say for that. Um, I guess the bigger question I have for you, Rob is just in general, it seems like the national college basketball scene and, uh, and personalities are lacking. Like if you think of college football, you got Kirk Herbstreit and College Game Day and Lee Corso. And um, there's a lot of just uh, fun voices out covering college football. You have the solid verbal. You have uh, podcast ain't play nobody. And um, like Jason Kirk and those guys over there. Like there's just a lot of real fun, big personalities in college football. I don't see as many in college basketball. I'm, I'm curious. Are there people that you follow in regards to college basketball? Who are your, some of your favorite folks and who's some of the people that you avoid? Um, I really like Eamon Brennan. He used to be at ESPN. Uh, he's at the athletic. I mean, like everyone that that left and went somewhere else, they're at the athletic now. Um, I think he does a good job covering college basketball. He gets into the weeds. He, he, he still does the bubble watch that he used to do at ESPN. Um, and I think he does a really good job with that. And it gives you a sense of where teams are sitting in the conference and heading in. Um, I like most of the guys that Yahoo sports has, um, and gals too, actually. But, um, I mean, I like Pat Forty. Um, Pete Dammel does a really good job. I mean, we've we've referenced a couple of their stories in, in covering this trial. Um, and and Pat Forty's a guy I follow with college football too. Um, and he'll he does uh, a column every week to forty minutes, and you know the, uh, it's it's usually worth a read um, as a quick run through sort of what's going on around college basketball. Um, I like Gary Parrish for the most part. I think he does a good job. I know you really like him too. Um, but my absolute favorite is Mark Titus. <laughs> yeah, he's very good. <laughs> Club Trillion is the best. Um, and his, uh, you know, his power rankings that he writes for the Ringer um, and, and the podcast are, are just uh, just terrific. So that's I, I like him too because he gets into I think whereas a lot of folks um, and a lot of folks are they come from you know, the full journalism background. And so they, I, they, they do do a better job, I think in, in some respects with that, but Titus is a former player. I mean, like he wrote the definitive takedown of Lorenzo Romar's Washington team, you know, offense. <laughs> I have to like go back and look at that. <laughs> just, for, just for fun. He just like decided to just tear into like, what was not like at the end of Romar's tenure, like why it wasn't working. Um, and it was really good. I mean, I, I, Titus is a, I mean, former, former walk on at Ohio state. Like he has those kinds of insights. Um, yeah, he's a, he's a really fun, he's a really fun follow. Um, funny. I mean, not a funny follow too. I mean, his part of his, his shtick is, is, you know, uh, generally being more hilarious than everybody else. So, um, yeah, I mean, and there's most everyone else I, I tend to follow. It tends to be, <clears throat> you know, like the, a beat writer from around the Pac-12, and they often cover both basketball and football. Yeah, going back to Gary Parrish real fast, I thought, um, I think the first thing is, 
anytime you listen to their podcast for the first 10 minutes, he's complaining about people tweeting at him. I'm like, Oh my gosh, every time I just get to the yeah. basketball part. But once you get past the, you know, fast forward the first 15 minutes, the stuff that they do is pretty good. And he, he does follow the sport closely. And I like that. Yeah. The fact that he knows the players, he knows uh, the schools and they do a really good job at CBS talking about the NCAA uh, and FBI investigations. I think better than anybody else, they've done a good job of breaking out. Okay, here's what this means. And here's what this means. And they do it from a standpoint that isn't specifically like a, a fan standpoint. I know he's from Memphis, but Memphis isn't really wrapped up in this. So it's very much like, Hey man, I'm just telling you that this happened. This is bad for Kansas. Or, Hey man, if you're an Arizona fan, this is probably not a good thing. And and then here's what that thing is. And I really appreciate the fact that they've been keeping on this in addition to Yahoo. So Yahoo, the C that CBS podcast and, um, you know, some of the stuff that's come out at ESPN, I think, has been good. The, the the worst thing that ESPN did was release that first initial story and have to walk it back because the other yeah. stuff that's come out, it seems like it's actually pretty legit. And uh, and unfortunately, they have that first story hanging over everything they do now for Arizona fans. So uh, it's interesting. Like, I wouldn't discount ESPN reporting, you know, on this, uh, particularly if it's not from Schleybach or Sch whatever, <laughs> you know, yeah, uh, sure. I, I think that there's really some. Um, it'll be interesting. I mean, they, they brought up a lot of the, the transcripts and they had links to them. And so some of the coverage that ESPN has done on the story has been fine. Um, but that one story is pretty bad, um, with Titus. So here's, here's a question for you. Um, I like Titus too. I think, uh, I think he's excellent and is, uh, very easygoing and seems like would, he seems like he would be a fun person to cover college basketball on a bigger stage rather than just this podcast on like the ringer. And let's be honest, the ringer gives zero craps about college sports. <laughs> like most of their stuff is really bad on college actually, but Titus is probably the one guy like that covers college stuff. Do you like Tate and the rest of that podcast? Uh, I don't really follow Tate as much on Twitter and I, I mostly tune in for Titus to be honest. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I mean, uh, I'm sure I know Tate does some other podcasts and stuff, but I've, I've listened a decent amount to, uh, the one shining podcast, but like, man, it can, it can get a little rough sometimes. And, uh, sometimes it seems like Tate is one of those people where you need a host that just kind of lets them go. You know, and like reins him in a little bit like a Dave Pash almost, you know, with like Walton, yeah. except not you don't have to have the the reins that tight on him. Um, but it, I, I, I do like listening to him a lot. I think he does really good stuff. And it's been fun to uh, listen to him to talk about college basketball. And they're not afraid to get into the payment stuff either and talk about like uh, that stuff. So, um, yeah, I. Just, you know, some of the other guys like Seth Davis doesn't do it for me. John Rothstein, I think, is just the he has like the seven tweets that he sends out every like, you know, every two days about Virginia basketball being the best program in the world. And uh, it's just <laughs> going like, oh, my gosh. Oh, and I follow, I follow Ken Palm. If you don't follow Ken Pomeroy, you should. He does. He does the longest standing and probably most respected college basketball advanced stats model. Why do you think that? there's more personalities in college football because college football Twitter is excellent and it's funny and there's so many people and they have good jokes and, uh, and they're covering games that aren't that like the cheese it bowl was one of my favorite moments of last year in college football, just because there were so many people that I love and like really like interacting and reading that were just going all in on the cheese it bowl. Cause it's like one of the worst games of the year. Um, it doesn't seem like those types of personalities are in college basketball. I don't know why. Do you, do you have an idea? I don't. I really don't. I mean, part of it, I think, maybe that college football 
I mean, just is, is a bit bigger. And so it tends, I mean, college football is, is college basketball makes money. Don't get me wrong, but college football is the big money maker, draws the most fans, that kind of thing. Um, I don't know why it is. I mean, I don't know. Some of the, a lot of the, a lot of the really quirky characters tend to come out of the South. I would argue also in college football (laughs) (laughs) and, and the the basketball just isn't really King down, down the South. I mean, I would also, I mean, say like, I mostly like the folks that, I mean, other than like Paul Feinbaum and like the, all, all the sec crossover stuff that they have at ESPN. I mostly like, I, I, I don't find them offensive. I think they're generally good for the game. I really like what college game day does for college football, even though I don't watch it as much anymore. Like, the the pad like college game day is part of the pageantry of college football. Um, I I don't really like Jay Billis. I don't find him all that smart or interesting. I I think he tends to default to saying like the same five things over and over again. Uh, I don't think he I don't think he's really kept up with the game, and I don't think he's I don't think he has interesting things to say. <laughs> about college basketball and he's one of the main folks that they run out there I and mean, I, I think that's what's sort of discouraging uh about you know college basketball is that there's just not i mean with like bill rafferty going you know and getting old like there's just not even like the, the guys calling the games aren't maybe as good as you'd like and i don't know it's just in college basketball coaches i mean not the college football coaches are always like a ton of fun but I mean, is there even like a less mile? I mean, less miles is at Kansas now, but I mean, is there anybody that's like that much fun as a college basketball coach? Like they all seem to have basically just that you feel like they all just had an enema and they're wearing a suit, you know, it's like <laughs> guys like lighten up, like put on, I mean, like dress like Huggy Bear. I mean, Bob Huggins is pretty fun sometimes, but that's about it. Like most everybody's just like, they're awful interviews and they're super uptight. And I mean, they look like they don't want to be there. It's like, ah. Uh, guys come on yeah bob huggins is like the closest that college basketball has to mike leach and he's not even close like i mean no, that's, that's how crazy it is. the same ballpark <laughs> i mean you don't have you don't have the same i mean even in the coaches like you just kind of feel like you don't have the same kind of characters um which is a bummer i mean because I, I think college basketball right now i mean i feel i actually feel and i say this like i i, I think college basketball isn't as isn't as popular and the the ratings numbers may not back this up, but I don't think college basketball is as culturally relevant as it even was five, 10 years ago. And and part of it is that college football has become so huge, but it is, it is a bummer. And I think that part of it is is that it lacks the personalities to sort of bring in your sort of casual fan. And they're all like the media, almost all of the folks that, cover college basketball in the national landscape. They're all stiff. They're all just so stiff. And almost to bring this full circle, the only guy that really isn't is Dick Vitale. <laughs> that was, that is the crazy thing. <laughs> Dick Vitale is like, but like Dick Vitale is all the personality you want, but to the extreme to where you don't like it. Yeah. Right. Like it's, it's as if you went to the total opposite end of the spectrum and you're like, Oh wait, we signed up for too much of this. <laughs> like, um, I mean, the diaper, I mean, all of it, the stuff that, like I said, when I was 15, I thought was cool. Like all the Dick Vitalisms, they're just, they're just a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's too much. Uh, all right. That, that's interesting. I, I'll try to keep an eye on it. If anybody has 
any uh, recommendations for people that we should follow uh, in regards to college basketball, let us know uh, just because I enjoy college football so much more in terms of the personalities covering it. There's fun stories. There's always just this fun stuff going on. Not necessarily the case in college basketball, but definitely open to checking out. Oh, by the way, one person that I, I should mention is a Twitter handle. It's, I think it's the three man weave. You guys should check it out. I've been tweeting stuff out uh, from them on wildcat radio AZ. And uh, basically they just send out, set plays at the end of like halves and at the end of certain important periods and they'll just break down what happened and that's really cool because you're like oh snap i didn't realize that this happened and um, they have some cool youtube videos not necessarily the most like entertaining stuff but from an x's and o's standpoint it's creative and not a lot of people are doing it so you should definitely check them out Okay, one more thing before we get to the the bad news, uh, Rob. So uh, the good news is we're going to Vegas. Very excited about that. <laughs> yeah, soon. I know. It's really crazy. So uh, we're going to be there for the Pac-12 tournament. And uh, I think we're there Thursday through Saturday. There might be people there till Sunday. Have you booked your flight yet? I have. Okay. Uh, there is one direct flight from Columbus, Ohio to Vegas. And it is on like Spirit Airlines or some one of those ones that, that like they're going to charge me to breathe the air in the cabin. But I will be on. I'll be on a like getting a direct flight is worth it. Excellent. No, that's great. Uh, so a couple things. So Rick Powell will be there. Uh, Bear Down Rich. Shout out to Bear Down Rich. He's going to be there with us. Uh, a couple other friends are going to be there. Um, so we have a couple things going so, to keep a lookout for. Hey, yes, I understand. We're like Arizona's not good this year and we're probably not going to win the championship. So we're going to do a couple things to keep people interested. The first is we're going to re-record our Gentleman's Guide to Las Vegas, which uh, we did a few years ago. And it was myself, Rick Powell, and Josh Worthington talking about Vegas and what we liked about Vegas. Uh, and when you go, what the things to do, we're, we're savants. We go there about three times a year now. Um, we're either going to re-record or I'm going to re-release it. I'm going to listen to it to see if we need to update it because some of that advice uh, – is is eternal it is uh it is wonderful it's <laughs> legion it is eternal a couple of other things though uh we're gonna host a live show and i think i have the venue for it so if you are in las vegas and you're an arizona fan we're gonna do a free live show at a location that's close to the t-mobile center and i think it's gonna be right next to it but uh, stay tuned there we're gonna do periscopes so if you don't follow us on twitter you should it's at wildcat radio az we're gonna do some periscope uh, videos, which basically is just live videos. And we'll probably do one each morning, depending on how much uh, <laughs> individuals have uh, <laughs> drank the evening before, uh, which <laughs> we're, most of us are responsible. Most of us are responsible. And we have two more things that we're going to do. We're going to do a Pac-12 bracket and we're going to have a contest. So normally this wouldn't be as fun, but since like the whole Pac-12 is just a, di- a giant crap show, uh, we, we're going to give out brackets and you can tur- turn them in and then we'll be updating them as we're in Las Vegas, which will be fun. And the winner will get um, some cool t-shirts. I, I bought like a ton of Arizona gear. <laughs> so, uh, and I did it just so we can give it out for moments like this. So we'll have some cool t-shirts. I'll take pictures of them and, and we'll send them out to you. And then of course we're doing the Pac-12 tournament bingo. So if you did this last year, thank you for doing it. Um, we are looking for ideas for squares. So in the past, it's been like, you know, awkward w- wardrobe moment with Bill Walton or um, Cedric Bearfield, you know, shoots 18 three pointers in a game and all that stuff. So give us square ideas so we will, we can put them in and use them. We're very excited about that. Uh, Rob, your thoughts on Las Vegas, any other ideas that we should do? 
Uh, no, those are great ideas. <laughs> I mean, you've covered it up. I mean, we have, we've signed up to give stuff away, do a live podcast. We're going to do uh, periscopes. So that will probably be me because I don't drink getting up and doing that <laughs> at the very least, right? Um, and getting everyone coffee and get, you know kicking them and saying, get up, we're doing a periscope. Um, but yeah, th- that's, that's quite a bit. And we'll be there. Look for us. You know, like I'm, I'm quite tall. You'll find us. <laughs> And I am a, I am a, like a CEO in Vegas. Like I'm up, I'm the first one up almost every time for whatever reason. Doesn't matter what happened oh, really? to me before. Oh yeah, I'm like <laughs> eight o'clock. If I'm not up and ha- if I haven't had breakfast, it, it was uh, I must have lost a lot of money the evening before. Um, so I will be up too. It'll probably just be dragging Rick <laughs> to the table while we do this. So uh, we'll have our bracket up. We'll have our bingo cards. Get ready for all that stuff. We'll do updates uh, each morning. So tune in. And if you're coming, let us know. I know I sent out the bat signal before. I'm going to do it one more time because I'm assuming people said they were going to go when we were like first place in the conference and now we're in 10th place. So uh, I'm wondering if a couple of people aren't uh, headed out there. But I I was keeping track of some people that were there. Um, uh, If I send out a tweet, who's coming to Vegas, just respond real fast and we'll let you know where we're at and all that stuff. So very excited about that. All right, Rob, let's get into the the last piece of news, which is way more depressing. But again, it's something that we think we should mention. And that is another story by Caitlin Schmidt out of the uh, Tucson Star that was highlighting more allegations of sexual assault that happened under the Rich Rodriguez era in his time in Tucson. And it sounds like there were more uh, recorded instances than were initially let on. Yeah. So the university, as part of a filing um in this had to come out and admit that there were what had been the star had found 16 incidents involving um, U of A player, former U, former or current U of A players and staff. Um, and uh, the university had to admit that there were 27. Yeah, not, not good. And um, just again, something that we, we still want to bring up and some of it, I mean, if you go read, read the article, we'll tweet it out and we'll probably put it in the show notes here. I thought, I think Caitlin Schmidt has done a really good job, um, making sure that this is like known because, um, not only did it happen and all this stuff is, is really awful. Um, but it also allows the university moving forward to figure out how to fix this and how to make sure that our student athletes, um, are, acting on behalf of the university and acting like gentlemen and all that stuff. And hopefully that hopefully we'll see reforms from that. But I, I am really glad that she's on that beat. I don't know if there's a ton of stuff to say about it. Like, is, is there anything else that's like, I mean, it all happened under Rich Rodriguez. I guess the one, oh yeah, the one piece that we should bring up is that in, in the article, it references a current coach having been attorneys. I will read the paragraph. Yeah, How about that? Yeah, that's me. <laughs> Um, attorneys for the plaintiffs say the U of A has not produced any communication records and they're having trouble scheduling depositions, including former recruiting coordinator Matt Dudek and running backs coach Calvin McGee. The U of A has identified 10 different school officials who may have had knowledge of Bradsford's behavior. And the plaintiff's attorney said they found five former employees who may also have known, according to the transcript. Two current U of A employees, including a prominent coach, denied knowledge of Bradford's violent behavior before his arrest, despite the fact that a U of A police report shows that at least one of them was present when a third victim told police about the running back's abuse. Yeah, that's that's not good. Is damning because it's not like if you are (laughs) if you are listed in the police report, 
as being present in the room when a victim told police about the running back's abuse, that that looks terrible. <laughs> I mean, that looks – and Orlando Bradford, like some of these – and I, <clears throat> I get it. I do think that there is a, um, a reasonable standard out there um, to, to throw someone's name out. Um, of course, you know, some of these are sexual assault cases. Um, Orlando Bradford did it. There's no denying that or sort of arguing that, like, you, you shouldn't have done more. I don't know. Yeah, well, we'll we'll keep an eye on that. And it looks like Schmidt continues to to stay on that beat. So I'm sure there will be more pieces out as they come. But again, didn't want to gloss over it. I mean, like sports is sports is fun. Uh, This isn't fun. And and this shouldn't be part of sports. And kudos to the I mean, we we uh, we do take our shots at the star. But kudos to the star for putting uh, Kalen Schmidt on this, who does normally cover more. criminal and you know like uh political about town type stories to to have someone who's an experienced reporter and so just a sports reporter covering this i think the star's coverage has really benefited from that and i i think they did a great job with that decision um all right anything else you got no we covered a, a wide range of topics um i am closing in on having my annual arizona season football review done which is like way late but I don't know. I had a lot going on. So um, I'm closing in. I hope to have it out this next week. I'll obviously push it out. And um, you're more than welcome to tweet at me and tell me I'm an idiot if, if you disagree. Yeah, super. Check out the the website. We will not, by the way, have a season and review for Arizona basketball. There is not. I'm, <laughs> I don't crack the whip that hard here at Wildcat Radio. <laughs> Which, by the way, if you really, I mean, like, if you are a good writer and want to write more for us about Arizona basketball, like, hit us up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I would love for somebody to write it. I just don't want <laughs> <laughs> yeah. to drink a bottle of wine before I even start getting to that. <laughs> Be good. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, we did. We won tonight. I mean, as we record this, Arizona snapped the seven game losing streak against a truly horrendous Cal team. It's because of the players only meeting, Rob. That that was the reason why we, we had a players only meeting. <laughs> Do you know? I mean, did you see? I'm sorry. This is like a total aside. Did you see what Cal, like <clears throat> Viking Jones makes at Cal? He's only getting paid a million dollars a year. Like Cal. I can't. I can't. It's like. Why are you even fielding an athletics department at this point? Like you, you got this coach because you're like, well, we can pay him almost nothing. <laughs> Maybe he'll be good. And he was like a lifetime assistant. He had never had a head coaching job before, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. I, I frankly, I had to look multiple times to remember who their coach was because I, I always thought it was Jared Haas or whatever his name is over at Stanford. But like, who are they going to hire after this? Because that that department is so you think Arizona is in financial problems like the Cal athletic department is a mess right now. Uh, yeah. And who's going to come in there with the they have that new academic standards, I think, that they implemented. That was part of the complaining that Sonny Dykes had when he was at the football program. Like, I, I wouldn't I, I surprised they hired Justin Wilcox and that he took that job because that is yeah. not an easy place to coach. no. No, I mean, it, it, not all of it is their own making. I mean, it turns out that Cal Memorial Stadium actually sits on a fault. So, oh, 
Yeah. So when they had to re- when they redid Memorial Stadium, it was super expensive to get it up to earthquake code. <laughs> oh. And there's not really anywhere else you can put that stadium. I mean, it's so compact in that area. Yeah. I mean, it's I mean, it's beautiful and truly picturesque and also on a literally on a fault line. So, um, it's not all of it was that like, but they did have an exceptionally expensive, um, renovation of their stadium. And that's, I think, uh, been a real, um, millstone around their neck. Uh, and you could, after when they did decide to hire hire Jones, I remember thinking like, wow, that is really cheap that they got him. Um, and I was just reminded of it because somebody was tweeting out like, yeah, you know, you'd expect him to get fired, but Cal's so broke, they might keep him. I mean, like the buyout, like they're like, Oh, the buyout for Viking Jones is $3 million. It's like, that's, that's peanuts in college. I mean, (laughs) well, not, not for the Pac-12 right now. I mean, that's true <laughs> that should that should be the response so somebody tweeted out i think it was john wilner he tweeted out um uh where does the 400 million dollars go if they get it from private equity <laughs> just retweet saying why king jones's buyout right why king jones's buyout <laughs> that's where it goes <laughs> 